0: Well, hello, this is Chris Parker with the Business Simplicity Podcast, and I have had a conversation with Ahmed Mohsen, Senior Product Manager with Destiny Engage, and we talked about eight specific lessons or points where SaaS, software as a service, leaders can can focus on and learn. And this is from his years of experience, and we shared a lot of stories, but hey, Ahmed, why would this be really valuable for people to listen to it?
1: Um, thank you, Chris. Um, I guess it's going to be valuable for um, early stage founders because it's going to save them time repeating the mistakes over and over and increase their likelihood of having successful uh, SaaS products.
0: The Business Simplicity Podcast, where we learn about strategies and tactics to succeed through simplicity with your host, Chris Parker. back. This is Chris Parker with the Business Simplicity Podcast, and I'm having a conversation with Ahmed Mohsen, and he's actually in in Giza, I think, near Cairo, in Egypt. Um, And we have recently worked together in Destiny Engage, and he's a senior product manager there, and I think he's been there for going on four years off the top of my head. Um, And I was having a conversation recently, and he shared... Maybe something that was not supposed to be widely known, but but he was working on a on a blog about lessons that he has learned in in the SaaS industry, in the software as a service industry. And if someone is is putting in the time and effort and care to curate their thoughts and share them with people, particularly if it's somebody who I respect, like I do, Ahmed, um the invitation to join join the podcast is is inevitable <laughs> and uh, and thank you ahmed for for joining um, uh, we have a number of lessons um, or tips and pointers that we're going to get into um, later in the conversation but before that you have an interesting background meaning you've not always been in SaaS. you you've been in, in the agency business and then decided to, to to make that jump and so maybe my My first question is in two parts. Um, How would you describe the term SaaS for people who really don't have a clue what we're talking about? And how did why did you step into this space? So so maybe you know start with what is SaaS? And I know that's one of the 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 points on your blog, and people can find that at at the the letter Q, the number four .dot a e and one of the posts there is what is SaaS. So that's what really triggered me to start. Like let's just define that term for people. And then let's talk a little bit about you and then get into the tips. How about that? So what is SAS?
1: Thank you, first of all, for inviting me to your uh, show. Uh, It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Um, Your question, what's what's SAS? So SaaS, I I would um, describe SAS like um, um, an opportunity for technology and innovators to Charge money and make money for a long time with a recurring revenue uh, model. So, SaaS is a software as a service. It's obviously software as a service, but it's an opportunity to go beyond local markets, to be available worldwide, um, to solve problems for uh, customers uh, on the other end of the world. Um, It's uh, a gold mine.
0: And, um, uh, some, some examples of me, cause yeah. Cause software as a service, it can have a recurring, uh, licensing revenue, but it, it also usually has includes the hosting, the support. And so if people use Gmail or office 365, that is just very obvious types of SaaS meaning you don't have to install a server for your email anymore. just, you know, Google or Microsoft care of that, um, now, uh, you know, what, three and a half, four years ago, you, you left, you had your own company in, in, in a, yep. a di- sort of digital agency company, and you decided to go all in, in product management and SaaS. And, and can you help, um, help us understand how, why you did that? And, and as a way of sort of introducing yourself, you made a, made a big career jump. Um, what, what was the driver behind
1: that? Well, the driver behind this was um, the service business is pretty hard. It's about charging money for time of use. You, in the, in the, the, I used to be an animator and a producer, so uh, customers personally reach out to me because they like my artwork. They like the way I produce uh, TV commercials, so. Um, it was pretty hard because I have that notion, how can I make money while I'm asleep? And uh, I had some adventures like uh, getting into affiliate marketing, um, trying out uh, many stuff. And I had saw, like uh, quite success there, but I wanted to have my own adventure that's... Um, allows me to reach out to customers worldwide and charge money on a recurring basis. So um, I, throughout my agency, I've been working with a lot of startups, and many of them was SaaS companies. Um, and I was, I was helping them not only at crafting video commercials, but I was helping them into um, deciding what are the best segments like who's the ideal customer profile look like and so on and so forth and then do my work. So I found myself like falling in love with the SaaS model and I decided um, to start my own product. So I started a product back then, it was called Closure and I had another product made. Uh, I made, it was um, viral insights to like reverse engineering viral content on the internet. So marketing directors and marketing managers can plan for producing viral content. Um, And then when I got... um, It was a struggling kind of because there was no mentors. Uh, The team was small. And when I got the offer from Best Engage, um, I I couldn't resist. The leadership there is great. The team is amazing. Uh, Tons uh, of bright minds, uh, so I decided to shut down my agency, shut down my SAS products, and join them. And I've been there for like four years so far. I don't know. I, I stopped counting <laughs> because yeah. I'm enjoying it.
0: And I've had the privilege to to work with you for for the last probably year and a half of that, and um, and see you a number of times uh, uh, in Egypt, and also when you've been over here in Europe as well. And uh, we've been learning so much from each other. Maybe a, a can you give us a very brief because this is not going to be about Destiny Gauge, but can you just give a, a very brief snapshot on what is Destiny Gauge, what is the ICP, what is the proposition, and and just do do that in in, in as tight a way as you can. I'm curious to see uh, how you describe it now.
1: All right. So Destiny uh, Engage uh, is a, a digital communication platform. It's an omni channel where you can get all channels into one interface so your team can um, have a good relationship with their customers, even if you're using it for support or sales use cases. Um, and the ISP is um, a small and medium businesses. However, we have uh, some uh bit uh, market uh, customers, and we have uh, some enterprise, but it's designed for helping small businesses to never miss an opportunity, whether it's uh, retaining a customer or selling to a potential customer.
0: And if uh, people are interested in that, uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well with the link to Destiny Gauge. That's D S T N Y Engage in English uh, dot com. And um, and now I'm I'm really curious to to unpack this, and and i and I'm and I hope. There's a, another blog post or a few coming out on q4.ae about this kind of stuff. But, um, one of the points that you, that you were, uh, sharing with me before is that, that founders or, or say SAS people can focus much more on the, I think on the idea they have, as opposed to the problem it solves. Can you, um, what do you mean by that? Like, like, uh, can you unpack that for us a bit?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of triggering to me. Um, and when a friend of mine comes to me, hey, Ahmed, I have a brilliant idea. From this second, I stop listening. So it's not about ideas. It's about solving real problems. So if you want to be successful, you want to fall in love with the problem space, not the solution space.
0: Well, it's, um, that's so true and so hard. Um, yeah. it's so true. and so hard because it's, it's sort of, it's sort of counterintuitive. I think humans just aren't designed for that. Meaning we come up with some inspirational, um, you know, intuitively inspirational thing. And then, and then we want to share that. Um, and you know, uh, how much work has been wasted by me a lot in building crafting something based on an idea without really having any idea what problem it would actually solve. So how, how could you avoid that? Meaning, um, how have you overcome that in
1: your life? Um, because I, I, I keep doing such mistakes because we are human at the end. So it's all about going back to the problem and validating the problem space. And the only way you can do it in an early stage is by talking to as much of the customer as possible, or as much of the only because we are not here to your customers. For example, when a friend of mine, he has an e-commerce, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was telling me he has a problem tracking all the purchases from the vendors before selling them and putting them on the e-commerce store. So I kept asking him questions, question, asking him questions, question, and I dragged a paper and started to, to do sketch outs. So these are the list of the problems. What are the most important problems? Um, what's the value that's bring, And how does it cost you money or time? And from there, like, would you mind doing like an Excel sheet to properly uh, help you out? So I did an Excel sheet with a a Google form and so on and so forth. And turns out that in in 30 minutes, wow, that's a good solution, he said. Um, I want to connect this with with my website. So this is like an aha moment to me. This is like I captured the problem. I listened to him, I did the prioritization, and then we did like a little equation on an Excel. And the moment he wanted to use it in an actual world situation, this was like, boom. Well, this is an opportunity, but I need to to like, it, it doesn't have a large magnitude. So asking the right question afterwards is pretty important as well.
0: But that one maybe is a little bit e- too easy, maybe because the problem came to you and that was the invitation to solve it. And I'm wondering, um, like, like, uh, a number of years ago, I was, uh, with, with my, my simple business design framework, I was, I was thinking, Hey, maybe this is something that could be, uh, like an educational portal. Cause I'm really, you know, like you said, you know, Hey, make money while you sleep or, or. And you know another way of looking at it is 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 allowing people to to help themselves and solve their problems. You know without an attachment to my own time. And I built built out the whole you know le- learning management system and and uh, spent just a lot of time doing the engineering work. And it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> you know because I was building it in my own mind and I was just so so you know, interested and in, in passionate about it. And, um, in hindsight, that was just absolutely the, 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 absolute, um, I can't say it's the worst yeah. thing I could have done because I learned a lot from it. You know, there was, there was learning, but I, I'm sure I could learn that a different way. And, 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 um, and, and one of the outcomes was what I realized is actually I, I could, uh, help coach facilitate people in say group settings and, and and your team at destiny engage has used that um, that method itself so maybe by the end we, we can talk a little bit about how you guys use that simple business design framework um, but this is where coming into the second point which which we kind of called code over customer meaning people can can find themselves lost in in engineering and coding without talking to the customer and and Absolutely. How can you avoid that? Like, like, why is that a problem? And, 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 and how can you avoid that?
1: This is the thing, because we are human at the end of the day. So, uh, I came from a, pro, uh, uh, in a from a creative background, so I like spending my time on Figma, designing experiences. Um, if you are a founder that loves coding, if you find yourself doing what you love to do, that seems to be wrong. In that case, because you are avoiding the making the hard decision and making the the things that uh, it doesn't help to scale, but it helps to move on. So, I would tell if you're not spending enough time with customers, you're doing it wrong. So, regardless what, what you're doing, design, coding, whatever. So, if you don't have spending time, much time as possible, as in, in the early stage, in first one to two years with customers, then you're doing it wrong. I've been there, like, I had a problem with my agency. I was converting leads, doing paper click on the internet, but the conversion rate was not too high, like the closing rate of the deals. And I did a broadside that converted every lead in the forum into like a two directional uh, phone call. And it solved my problem. Like, the closing rate was like four x, but and as, at this moment I said, "Wow, it's a great idea. Let's build it into a SaaS product." So I spent two years talking to no one, building that product, and then when I tried to sell it to, to the agencies like me, I found out that that this problem was burning problem to me, but it's not the, a burning problem to them. It's nice to have, with like it's a vitamin, and you don't. Many of them don't even spend much time, much money on uh, paper But on the other hand, uh, real estate was crazy about the idea. They wanted to implement it, but the way I built it is not helping the real estate companies. So this is kind of a mistake, like spending thousands of dollars, years of your time, and at the end, boom, your idea is great for some people, it's not for the others. you have to like spend another six months to do like pivoting, and so on and so forth. So if you're, the rule of thumb there is if you don't spend enough time with the customer, listening to the customer, even if you didn't build the product yet, then you're approaching this in a wrong way.
0: It's not only startups, meaning... Um... This is a trap that any size of organization can get it. Cause it's really, you know, I work a lot of times with, with large multinational enterprise companies, and, and this is why I got so passionate about customer experience design strategy is there were so many projects, investments, products that were being made based on what I would call hobbyism, meaning, meaning, you know, someone in the company thought it was a good idea. So let's spend a couple million on it. Um, but without actually talking to someone to see if if they ever actually ever cared and then of course doing that in a very waterfall way so then like you know like you said it takes two years to build you bring it out to market and people look at you like you're kind of you know kind of an idiot you know and and it's not i'm not talking about you i'm just talking about everybody who does that so it's um um so what we're talking about is validation And, and the third point on on the list is we called it revenue over validation, and this was interesting. Um, can you tell that story? Because because you felt that maybe some some early earlier stage SaaS companies might be going for to, to charge instead of to learn. So like like what's behind that? Like isn't it a good thing to charge for your product or or or, or where you where are you going with that lesson?
1: Yeah, so I believe like um, charging money at this if you are a sales founder uh, at the early stage, you want to uh, expose your product as much as possible to the customers. And after learning from their optimizing your product, uh, people are still afraid that uh, charging enough money from the customers—they have they have a fear of rejection, so they keep like the prices pretty low. And there is a study out there like saying that sixty-six the sales products worldwide are underpriced. So being afraid of charging money or charging so little money from the customer is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a psychological barrier. And uh, you should ask for the money from in the first place. And, and by doing so, you're validating that you're truly solving a problem that we solving. And my recent way that of doing this is i'm doing it as a service first so if i'm rebuilding my software today i always go to specific segments um but qualify them by asking about the problem space and then and then offering them that i will work for them as a consultant or as an agency um i will do my best to solve this problem maybe by doing some integration building some Excel files, doing get training, building processes, and doing training for the people. So at the end of the day, if you manage to solve that problem, even if you don't have the product yet, even if you are using competitors' product, so you need to validate your assumptions, you need to validate um, uh, the problem space, you need to validate that the people are willing to pay enough money for it. And if you manage to do it like, even before building the product as a consultant or, um, or any kind of like a service like or a prototype maybe. So doing it as a service business is kind of like a, a workaround if you if you don't have your product. And from there, you keep doing this for, for 10 customers to validate getting paid from them and then you should go and build your product. And, and when it comes about the... Um, uh, speaking about the money, the first thing one um, people think of of pricing um, is kind of like they keep making it complicated. Like right, if I'm telling, if I'm gonna ask you today, I have a software that can help sales team work with me, how would you advise me to build and pricing model for that? but I only have like five five customers at early stage. What do you think how we should approach the rising model at early stage?
0: Well, what I what I've what I what I've seen is, is of course people start going into these like like silver, gold, platinum type stuff, and then they have the you know the, the, the enterprise and, and, and they start going into these different modules and add-ons and things like this. And my, my guess is that Wisdom would say is, is just to have w- probably one simple price. But I, I don't know, w- where would you start?
1: Absolutely. So I would start at this point, definitely by learning from competitors, but not coping. So I would offer like one flat price. But the thing is, the only exercise I would do is connected to the value. So for example, and By the value, I mean I will bring an example first to, to explain that what it does mean a value. So, on HubSpot, um, their platform, if you are going to get the marketing automation tool, you will find that it's priced by the number of contacts. On the other hand, if you're gonna purchase the, uh, the CRM, it would be um, um calculated as number of seats because they are bringing too much to different values. Marketing automation, for example, is helping you to connect with customers or the audience. So it seems that the, the value there is about the relationship between the business and the audience, then our price based on this, all right? And when it comes to the CRMs, it's, it's all about boosting the productivity of the sales team that mean, the, the pricing for the seat is the thing that makes sense in this case. So I would invest time understanding which value I'm gonna price based on. And then I'm gonna offer like one uh pricing point. And if you have maybe number more seats, you just add more seats. If you have more connections, you add more connections and so on and so forth. So capturing the value and pointing out to the value. And this is how the audience will feel like it's a fair price because they grow as they are able to grow as their needs go and they're paying money for it. But if the needs is going down, then they don't have to charge, to be charged for a patch number. So um, having a clear and transparent transparent pricing is is is, is the good.
0: And. I guess it's all, you know, fair as well. Like you mentioned HubSpot. I'm, I'm a big fan of HubSpot. Um, The, the, the free tier is already pretty valuable in, 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 in what you can do with it. Meaning for, for, for a basic SME that doesn't want automation and, and um, um, it just makes sense. Meaning if you want a, a you know, a basic sort of, you know, email capture with a basic CRM with some deal stages and, and just to get started and then hubspot has a ton of content out there that that helps people level up and so you know they're actually basically helping people succeed in their business so they can mature to the point where they would want that marketing automation and then you know would be making enough revenue in their business to, to actually afford it as well and, and for me it makes just a lot of sense i think I've, i'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of hubspot um The next one is scaling over simplicity, and I think I, I, I sort of use the word scaling to to capture a lot of stuff, meaning just growing, stacking, um, layering on top, and, and I I I guess missing the essence of simplicity. But for you, like like, what is it with SaaS companies that that is a mistake when they they get their eye off the ball of simplicity. Like 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 what did you mean by that when when you when you express that as one of the lessons and and how would you how would you avoid that?
1: Mm, Well the thing is we are all smart people and sometimes we we tend to complicate things. But the thing is the reason that people moved on from traditional software into SaaS products is the simplicity. So complicating things is not in your favor. Like complicating the pricing is not in your favor. Complicating the offering, like having too much products and having to explain to the customer. Like, And the only way of, 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 uh, of this, like, to explain it to your mom. If you, if, you, if you manage to understand what you're trying to sell, what type of problem you got, and the way of why you price this way, look like this if you pass the moms test, then you're, you're good to go. So building, a, and, and complexity is not only about the offering, it's also about the way the organization structured or the way you bring customers. So for example, if you're at early stage and you're shooting in the dark, sometimes you're doing maybe paper plate, or sometimes you're doing some little content and blog posts on the website. Sometimes you're on LinkedIn. It's not helping because you're trying to penetrate a specific segment in the market. And that segment, it has, it's a sweet spot. Maybe it needs a, a channel program, maybe it needs um, an outbound activity, maybe it needs a content marketing labor. So the balance between that audience you're trying to reach and the methods you're using. Um, is pretty important, and the no shame of using all of these methods, but it's all about doing it in experimental format. Like, you're, you're after, after the mid-market. Should I use the inbound? Should I do, like, paper clicks? Should I, I hire um, an AE um, uh, account executive or an SDR to, to help me out in the segment? So it's all about running an experiment at early stage it's not only about validating the problem and the solution, it's also about validating the channels that you're gonna use to reach out to your audience and grow from there. And one of the monsters I I keep following is Dan Montell. He had this like um, uh, scalable sales motion framework to take off uh, each, um, to test out each channel against each segment and from there, you might find the product, the channel fit.
0: Who was so, that person you mentioned?
1: Dan Martell. Dan Martell. Yeah. Yeah, he's the founder of um, Click ClickFollows and uh, currently an investor and business coach. All
0: right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, yeah, I knew, I knew the name. You 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 follow some amazing people. You're you're always bringing in a, a new framework uh, in every time I talk to you. It's it's impressive. Um just from learning and curiosity, I think you ha- you have to continue learning and be curious because you know growth hacking, growth marketing. Um, I just had um, David Arno from Growth Tribe on for for an episode, and, and I think he'll be published maybe the episode after this one's published. Um, and we talked just a little bit about how how growth marketing hacking has has evolved and. And, and just from going into forcing people through a funnel for the hard sell, it, it, it's really nuanced right now. I mean, meaning it, it's, it's, it's very much down to, you know, deeply knowing your customer, having the right proposition at the right time. You know, so basically if you have a crap product, you can't hack your way into sales because, you know, you know, the customers are much more sophisticated. They're not going to allow themselves to just get blind me, you know, brought into a funnel and, and, and convert it's just, it's just not going to happen anymore. Um, on simplicity, um, passion of mine, as you know, um, I think complexity will take care of itself. And so if, if, if complexity just creates itself, that's just the nature of things as the business grows and and you, and you go, you know, when you start, you're just a handful of generalists, you're in one room, you can, you can organize a lot, but then once you start specializing, you have marketing and then sales and then customer success, and then, you know, the product and yada, yada. All of those groups will start optimizing for themselves. And then that is what brings complexity into it as well. And and, and for me, simplicity is an absolute discipline. And so if you want to maintain a simple product experience for your customer, you must have that, that rigorous discipline to simplify inside the organization as well. So, um,
1: I believe um, once the business is growing, the founders tend to add complexity by hiring too fast at the early stage and uh, not looking after um, the culture and the harmony between the entire business. So, uh, one of the tools, your tool, the Simplicity Scan, is a great tool to go through. Uh, all uh, areas in the business to find a harmony. It's like um, a check card. If you if you can you can use it for a picture, and from there you can tell. Well, this is, seems to be odd. It's not working with the rest of the organization, and it's a pretty critical. critical um, and it's a common mistake when businesses once they find a product market fit. They got money maybe from sales or investor. They don't pay attention to the harm of the documents. And uh, these kind of problems, it's 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 a pretty hard to undo. So if you build it the wrong organization in a year, you will you may need to three to five years to recover from this. Uh, it's not something easy to, to be undone. So um, if you are a founder and you have a product market fit there and you got money and you're growing your business, the headcount are growing uh, on a monthly basis, then you need to like have um, a sanity check by using the simplest discount. Definitely, it helped us. Um, last time we uh, used it, we went to a trap by the seaside, we ran to the boat and we uh, uh, we had fun time with the employees um, of Destiny Engage and Chris uh, Parker and his team joined us. We used that framework and it helped us to see where the problems are. But definitely, uh, we are, uh, it took us a while to recover from this uh, using the tool. So it's a pretty important to look at this at the early stage before we hit uh, of the acceleration battle of, of the hype.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I'll, let me let me explain there. the the simple business design, or what's also known as the simplicity scan. Is um, it's it's a, a canvas or a framework with fifteen questions, um, and we tried to write it in call it you know grandparent or parent language. You know, so like you said, you know, if your mom can understand it, and and we purposely avoided say MBA or corporate type language, um, because sometimes corporate people use it. And if and if you ask the question um in a slightly different way, sometimes you get different answers, which is good. So try to engage a different part of the brain than their than their normal. What is your mission? Okay, well they've they've memorized it, but they don't feel it. You know, it's it's they're just repeating the words. And what I what I love doing with with teams, um like with, with Destiny Engages is, is going through the process of of document, discuss, decide. And so um, and there's different formats of it, but but basically have the people write down their answers to these, these basic questions individually and, in the act of, of actually writing it down. Um, and then it, it, it brings it out of the mind cause it, that forces some sort of some decisioning and clarity already. And then you can compare and contrast say, okay, well, Hey, there's a simple one. You're like, like, well, who's your customer? And what value do they, do they get from your, from your business? Um, every leadership team or every group of people uh, inevitably will have a slightly different answer to that. You know, so if you have 10 people in the room, the, the differences will be slightly different. And in those differences is the magic. Meaning, okay, you know, why did Ahmed, you know, say it that way? And then, then say maybe Mohammed, you know, said it that way. Um, why do you look at the customer slightly different? And is, is that something that we can learn from? And then have that process of deciding. So say, say okay, well, let's converge now. And, and we should review it in six months. This is our definition of customer. Um, at, at just a very you know, high level. Cause of course there's more work that, pro, you know, marketing and product will do about really defining that persona and stuff. That's, a, that's the next step, but, but just having a simple statement and, um, it's always, it's just so fun and it, and it, and it can be, it can be bonding and binding and energetic. So, um, and if people want to learn more about that, of course, you know you can go to the show notes. That's at abilient.com. You can download the the simple business design framework. And if you want facilitation, of course, you can just give me a shout, and I'd love to work and run a workshop for you. Investors over users, and this is one where where you know. So I think this is point five now. So we did scaling over simplicity. Now investors over users. Um, you you made a a, a, a fascinating comment a bit ago before we were recording that that founders can oftentimes design the company and the product and their messaging for the investor instead of, well, the customer or user. And, and, and how do you see that? Like, what, what are some examples in that? And, and, and how do you see that as a trap?
1: Well, the thing is, um, before COVID, VC money and early investors was working, but now it's not. So now we need, as a founder, you need to think like you are bootstrapping forever, and have a healthy gross margin. You have, should have a healthy unit economics, and if you are trying to groom your investor on the hope for the investor on the hope you are getting invests investments, it's pretty hard to to be sustainable because if your milestone. As an organization is dependent on getting an investor to survive, and this is this is the wrong way of doing sales business. Um, the investor will join you, so you're be able to do the same thing you do, but on a scale. So designing the organization to look good to investors, incubators, and so on and so forth. This is like uh, a death wish so um, yeah looking at the finance and having um, an understanding and like even a simulation about the financial model of the product you're trying to build um, is, is pretty important uh, to uh, build a healthy business
0: Why is it a death wish? Just because the, the the capital in the market is so hard to get in these days or
1: it's, it's, yeah, you, you, because if you are dependent on a VC money, uh, there is no plan B. Hmm. So the plan B should be the plan E, which is surviving was using what you, what you got today and focus, keep it simple and focus. So focusing on segment in the market, not all, all of the markets using one channel. Hitting hard till you unlock that channel for that segments, getting paid, having a healthy growth, cross uh, margins is the key. And investment is the share on the top, uh, not the vice versa.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess, um, the industry, the market around the world has, has changed people were, were, were chasing investors and then, uh, at least for now, that time is gone. I mean, you, you know, you, you got to focus on those on, on the customer, get that basic revenue, and then and then once you've once you've hit that fit, and once you've validated that, and then then maybe an investor could come in and, and help you scale it.
1: But Absolutely. they will be more interested.
0: Yeah, um, or choose not to, or you know, or just choose because if you can bootstrap it and scale it up on your own, um, um, why not? Because of course, bringing investors in brings in a lot of other dimensions and complications and personalities and things. So um, last one on your list. And then I have one that I'm going (laughs) to add. And this is market over channel. And, and this is where you were sharing that, that um, you know, there's product market fit or market product fit, maybe describe what that means. And then also what is, what does channel fit mean? So, so can you unpack that? Like how? Why is it a problem for people to overlook channel fit?
1: Yes, absolutely. So this is uh, we have been talking about it previously when we mentioned Denmark. So imagine a grid. So that's got three boxes. Why three boxes? It's nine boxes. On the x-axis, outside that box is the inbound channels, outbound, and partner channels. This is for simplicity. And on the, um, on the other axis, you got small and medium businesses, less than 50, for example, and mid-market and enterprises. So you gotta make and test out which uh, of these channels will work with each of these uh, segments. And but so to be able to answer this, um, you need to look at how many, how much ARR can I get from each segment? using specific channel, like, for example, if I'm going to do inbound with SMB, so how much ARR can I generate, how much churn would that segment using that channel would um, would happen, and um, the payback period, like if you're if you charging, your product is charging $100 and the cost of acquisition is 200 that means you got to retain the customer for two months to bring back um, the cost of acquisition. So the payback period is one of the factors. So after testing out and experimenting each channel with each kind of segment and answering this question, you will find that wow, well, it doesn't make any sense to invest that amount of money of outbound, for example, on SMEs. It should be limited only to inbound and channel for channel. Uh, uh, sorry, partner channel, as well as uh, maybe that the outbound is is working well for the mid market, but the inbound is not working for the enterprise. So finding the sweet spot uh, of these uh, of this matrix is pretty important to uh, to focus uh, your effort because at the early stage you don't have enough money, you don't have enough uh, time. Uh, the runway is short. So experimenting these um, very rapidly is, is the key to find which segment you should keep focusing while you're improving the product for, while hiring the team to scale on this sales motion. So everything is an experiment that is at this early stage, even finding the right spot of customer acquisition.
0: I, I think this I, is how I believe in it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I've, and I've seen you use it in practice. And and I think you've also seen you use it in practice. Because didn't you map competitors against that at one point as well to see like, like how are the competitors going to market? And then so you could either learn from that or differentiate from that? Like how, how would you add a competitor perspective into that?
1: Yeah, well, it's a pretty hard because the competitor might be five years ahead of you. So maybe they are using a mix of these. You need to look back in the history. Like, if you manage to find information when they launched, the day they launched, the year they launched, what kind of value proposition they were seeing, what kind of market they were after. Because definitely this, this, all of these uh, dynamics are uh, um, changing over time. So picking up the competitors and analyzing them is not helpful that much on, on designing the sweet spots, unless there is a competitor at their early stage doing that kind of work, and they have picked one shell and they are like hammering on it. And maybe the vice versa, maybe like if all the market is focused on the impact maybe there is like a blue ocean of getting, um, starting a, a partner program where you can dominate most of this market through partners because no, nobody is playing this game. Maybe nobody is playing this game because it's not working. You need to find out. Yeah,
0: maybe that maybe they're not playing that because it just it's a bad idea. Um and yeah. and um let, let me add mine. So I think I think we've been through through seven of these so far, I think. So so idea over problem, code over customer revenue. Over validation, scaling over simplicity, investors over users, and number six was market over channel. And number seven is what I would add, which is uh, love over lazy. And um, and this is something that that you inspire me about is is I think people could um, it could be lazy simply just to focus on coding instead of actually talking to the customer, you know, like, like it takes some bravery. It takes some, some, some getting out of the comfort zone and, and actually caring about, about the customer. Um, And and it could be lazy just to rush into revenue instead of actually validating and, and, and actually doing the work. And, and one thing that, that, you know, I was, I was reflecting on this is, is there there needs to be a, a um i would call it love but you could call it maybe a, a passion an interest um that i certainly see you know in, in the work with you that there's a deep care in in getting this right and and, and it's a deep care in, in going through uh, a deliberate process you know to maintain simplicity as well so i'm curious for you um, um do you see sometimes people maybe falling into the trap of just doing the, the the lazy transactional work over the the loving passionate caring relational work is this is this a, a pattern that you could that you could apply to some of these yes. lessons yes
1: it's, it's all it's, it's nothing wrong of doing that transactional work by the way because it's, it's all it's, it's all about the stage. For the job. If you're in the early stage, you need people who want to join you to fulfill a mission, not to work from nine to five. And nothing wrong with working with nine to five, but you need these people to do like transactional work after you quit. Uh, so it's all about the stage you're in. Um, you need to pick the right people to work with. I guess there's no like. Extreme
0: to loyalty. Well, I'm curious. Are you implying with a with a larger organization, there's there's maybe less mission-oriented people, because larger organizations are spending a lot of money to try to be purpose-based and try to attract people and get them engaged, and and it's harder and harder and harder when you get bigger and bigger. Um,
1: That's a bit horrible. Like seeing the frustration. Uh, the eyes of the customer while they're using the product it's worth millions it like but but the thing is as the as the business grows the number of people um, are, are huge it's a bit harder to make sure that you are keeping the link between the customers and the employees and i guess this is the mission of many people in the companies that to bring the voice of the customer inside the organization. So one of the incidents, like I had a meeting with a customer and I asked, asked them, you know what? One of these meetings I asked them, ignore me, I'll record your screen, keep working, keep doing what you're, what you're doing, I will record you for, for an hour. And then I shared this record with my UX team. It was insane the value they got and the feeling because now they are connected. They are like, wow, I feel sorry for that person. We did a really bad job in this area. Now they are very connected. So uh, this is pretty important when the organization grows. They keep relationship with the customers and Definitely not everybody will be able to do so inside that organization so it's there are other people that their mission is to bring the voice into this world within that organization and keep that voice live
0: uh, I, the power of the actual voice of the actual user or customer cannot be underestimated I think so so because if it's translated yeah. into a report or a a summary and then you know it's been passed you know via via two or three uh, different departments and sanitized and, and, and internalized Um, just to be able to have that raw experience, even if it is a recording to, to just to, you know, if you, if you hear a user saying, I love it when I can do this and this really frustrates me, you know, I think that, that is just so energizing for the humans that are actually building this product. Um, so yeah, share the love (laughs) that way. (laughs) So, um. Nice. Well, 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 what a list! Meaning, and, and I and I'm and I'm um, excited to see more on on your blog. I mean, Q four. So
1: still got time for more item on the list?
0: Go. Yeah. We well, well I think we're kind of over time, but I'm I'm just so excited to learn from you. So um, throw yeah, another this, one on there.
1: This 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 one is comes from Chris Parker. Oh. It's all about stepping into the market, market what? Step, by, like step by step by focusing on um, vertical-based use cases. Like, instead of building everything, uh, you need to bring one solution for one industry and then offer the next uh, problem-solved solution and go on and go on until you expand in the market. So, for example, if you are building a booking system, don't go out and say, well, I have the best booking system in the world. It doesn't work like this. You need to, like, maybe find out the problem with the salon industry, the beauty industry for maybe, and then solve the problem. Enhance the solution and then step into the next, maybe, um, clinics, maybe booking for the dentist and so on and so forth. So trying to selling to sell to everyone is not going to work. And this is the lesson I learned. Uh, one of the key lessons uh, that I, I guess um, I believe it's one of life-changing lessons. You will never find feel the pain unless you experience it. So thank you, Chris for this.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes you just have to experience the pain, but it's um. And and that lesson came to me from my own failure, <laughs> um, of of trying to be too generic and 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 serve everyone, therefore no one with the uh, when we, when we had a pretty good knowledge at a data analytics company maybe maybe a lot of a lot of things maybe we were too early uh, in the market um, we weren't able to really identify the the ideal customer because the, the buying customers on analytics and this is like eight nine years ago the, the awareness and sophistication of the buying executives was low data quality was low so we had everything working against us but um and this this comes from that book crossing the chasm as well inspired by that meaning, um, you're going to get some early adopters that are just really enthusiastic. And then that could also maybe trick you because if you have a few innovative thinkers that go, Oh, you're great. You're awesome. This is perfect. This is amazing. Then you can start believing that. Um, but until you actually get a bit more of the, say, say, uh, mainstream customers that are a bit more critical, you know, they're going to want, they're going to demand, uh, some references. They're going to, they're going to demand you know, marketing material and messaging that speaks to them, you know, because if they're a clinic, then then a, a hair salon booking message, they're just completely different people solving completely different problems. It's just not going to work. And um, what I really wish for people is, is uh, find that one problem. So this is your point number one, your idea over problem. Instead of world's best booking system. No, what is the problem, you know, for that customer, validate it, keep it simple focus on the users understand that i just did that reading this list (laughs) your list you know (laughs) mail the channel to get to them do it with love and and there you go and um and i I would have to say ahmed we've learned that together in this last year and uh it's uh, just grateful that you're that you're on the team and and we're able to have these kind of conversations so um uh, what would you call that last one if it's if it's um Is it um, use case over serve everyone? Yeah, something like that. So let's, uh, let's add that to the list. Yeah. Use case over uh, everyone. Everyone on the list, love it. So um, sadly we need to wrap up. It is Friday. So in Egypt, that is your weekend. So I am also appreciative that you're taking your 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 weekend morning for this. Um, your time to think about it up front and share it. People can read and follow at Q4, and that's the letter Q, number four. Dot AE. Um, there's an Arabic version and English version, but right now it goes straight to the English version. So you can check that out. Links in the show notes. And also, you can get in touch with Ahmed Mohsen at uh, LinkedIn, A Mohsen, M O H S E N. And yeah. I think I think that that's and it. I, we'll, we'll we'll put all this in the show notes as well. And um, I love this format of really going through a point by point because I was just, you know, super eager to just to to learn from you and pull this out and 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 share this with the audience. So thanks so much, Achman.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure to you today.
0: Thank you for listening. Visit ebullient.com to download the simple business design framework. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player.